0: Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents, you're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by R.J. Bates III. Here's R.J. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, R.J. Bates. Today I'm sitting down with uh fellow drip 2020 speaker Chris Jefferson. How are you doing, man? I'm good, brother man. How are you? Good. Uh it's finally to it's nice to to put a voice to the name and uh you know connect. I know you and I've been friends on Facebook and Instagram for for quite a while, so I'm excited for today's interview and sit down and uh, talk about some deals that you're currently working on and what you're doing in real estate investing. So For the people that don't know who you are, uh, give them a brief breakdown of what it is that you do in real estate.
1: Yeah, man. I guess a quick breakdown. I'm a you know twelve year veteran, uh, ten years of making money. Right. So there's two years there (laughs) of uh, being broke, struggling, trying to figure out how to how to do a deal. Right. Uh, But uh, been kind of rolling hard for ten years. Started out doing wholesaling. Took me a couple years, obviously, to get my first deal. Like I said, you know, once I got that first deal, you know, my goal at the time. Uh, which you know made a lot of sense in the moment. Uh, in hindsight, it's always not the best idea. But so I jumped from wholesaling to rehabbing super fast. You know, I did a few wholesale deals, and then went straight to rehabbing. And this is you know 2010, right? So this is right. back when you know you wanted to buy five houses, you go in the MLS, right. and by the end of the day, you got five houses, right? uh nowadays might take you 5 months to find a deal on the MLS right uh so i started out doing a bunch of fix and flip you know we are doing about 20 30 of those a year and uh transitioned in 2013 into doing new construction and uh infill development so i still kept doing a lot of fix and flip but i got into uh infill development because you know deals started to get fewer and farther between right so uh you know saw abundance of lots down in the city so we started purchasing some of those Building new construction houses, and uh, so 20 what 2015, 2016, we've got a big flipping operation. We're doing a lot of properties, and uh, start running into cash flow issues, right? Uh, if anybody's ever done a lot of fix and flip, you know, I think at the time we had about 26 active uh, flips and yep. or new new builds. Um, so we're spending you know over 200 thousand a month just to keep the lights on, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, things start getting tight. And uh, I say to my operations manager, I say, hey, look, man, we, we got to figure out how to come up with uh, some more monthly revenue. And uh, we had always done our own uh, marketing for deals, right? So we had always done our own marketing, but I only cherry picked what I wanted. Everything else, you know, we just kind of threw it, threw it away. Uh, I just bought the leads that I wanted to buy. So it was easy for us to transition back into doing wholesaling at the time. Yep. We started wholesaling again. And, uh, worked out really well. We started making a lot of money from it. And I uh, realized pretty fast that, you know, it's taking you know, 6, 12, 18 months sometimes to build a house or to do a large scale renovation. I, I did renovations where the budgets were over 100,000, right? Gotcha. And uh, we realized pretty fast that, wait, well, hey, wait a second. You know, we could just wholesale and make the revenue stream that we're looking for. Uh, and what occurred to me, right, is that flipping is for people who can't source their own deals right? Yep. Um, you know, if you can source your own deals and wholesale them and wholesale those and get good margin, you're already flipping. You don't really need to go into being a rehabber right. also, right? Uh, and so the goal switched into making a focus on doing wholesaling and then starting to build up more residual income. So I did a apartment development. We did a $2 million project here in Richmond uh, where we bought a 23-unit apartment complex. That was back in 2017. Uh, we finished that late last year so now we've got that rented up we're looking for some more apartment complexes and now we've transitioned into doing just a ton of wholesale deals and uh we, we've kind of found the fun again so to speak you yep. uh, being in the wholesale business i got you man that's a that's an incredible
0: journey going from you know struggling at the beginning taking two years to get your deal wholesaling rehabbing then development now back into wholesaling and also doing multifamily. Um, I, I see a lot of people that kind of break out of wholesaling, and they want to get into rehabbing or development, something along those lines. From your perspective, looking back at it, what was the mindset that you had that made you want to make that transition
1: from wholesaler to rehabber? What was the mindset there? So, I, so I love that question, right? So, at the time, the mindset was, well, hey, to, you know, to to grow and scale, you know in your mind, you're like, I got to be a rehabber, right? You know, and so, you know, you're trying to transition to that as quickly as possible. What I tell people now is that, you know, wholesaling right at the end of the day is the bottom of the totem pole, right? And in terms of the real estate hierarchy, you know, you've got rehabbing, you've got landlord, being a landlord, you've got development builder, wholesaling is like bottom of the barrel, right? But what's happened in the last five to six years is wholesaling has transitioned from a pen and paper business, right? So when I first started, you know, you're writing yellow letters by hand, right? You're, you're knocking on people's doors, right. you know, there was no text message services, there were no voicemail drop services. Right. Wholesaling has transitioned into a more of a, like almost a tech business, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's more based now on not pen and paper, but systems and processes. So, like, if you can develop strong and good systems and processes, you can now really get a wholesale business doing some consistent volume on a monthly basis. So, you know, that's what I know now, right? I didn't know that right. back then at that time. So, at the time, the thought was, well, if I want to be a real estate guy, if I want to be a real estate investor, I got to actually buy property, and you know, that right. transitioned us into uh, into rehab. Well, now I'm I'm going to take it even a
0: step further. Just based off of what you told me, you'd only done, you know, a few wholesale deals before you became right. a rehabber. So in all reality, you weren't really a good wholesaler
1: yet. Agreed. Yeah, and yeah, that's, yeah absolutely. And
0: part of the reason why I'm assuming you made the decision you wanted to go to rehabber is because you thought I can make more money there rehabbing,
1: right? A- absolutely correct. So yeah. You
0: weren't making enough you- money wholesaling. So you're like, okay, I'm going to just transition to go get bigger checks.
1: Yeah, it's funny, man, you say that, right? So, like, at that time, you know, deals were, like, hitting a $10,000 wholesale, right, was, like, uh, amazing, right? <laughs> right. Uh, now it's like, damn, that's not the, you know, that wasn't the best deal. Right. You know what I mean? And so, you know, it, it was just, like you said, it was the nature of, you know, hey, I want to make more money. I want to scale quickly. And we were in a different environment, too. So, that's mm-hmm. 2010 when, you know, there weren't as, there weren't as many active people right in the market there weren't facebook groups with 90 plus thousand people definitely (laughs) was not that man yeah there was none of that going on for sure
0: so yeah i mean it's funny how the evolution not only for the industry the technology that now we use as wholesalers but also just your mindset and how you've grown as an investor and and now you're viewing things much differently like you said the ten thousand dollar wholesale fee back in the day was I mean, you were probably, you know, high-fiving everybody. thinking. Oh, it's you know, going nuts,
1: man. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You yeah, know, now it's man. kind of
0: like, well, what was the cost to get that deal? You know, was that right. like $3,000 or $4,000 to get it? And what was the time and energy wasted on it? Like, was it even profitable, you know? Right. So that's the difference that I think almost everybody that's been in this several years kind of goes along the lines. I just wanted to bring light to if you are a wholesaler and you're thinking about becoming a rehabber, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons make sure you aren't doing it because you think well i can do the same volume and get bigger checks you're essentially trying to solve the problem because you're saying i'm not really good and at the end of the day it's all about marketing like exactly that's
1: what i I tell everybody like we're we're not investors
0: we're marketers like everybody that's good at this has to be great at marketing. And so, so when,
1: when people, when people say, you know, what do you do? Right. The non-real estate folks, right. Right. What I explained, I do sales and marketing. Yeah. And so what what happens is we, you know, wholesalers want to eagerly make that transition only because being a wholesaler is hard ass work.
0: Mm-hmm. Right?
1: And so when it's at, when you're at the bottom of the barrel, you've got to constantly grind this business out yep. and you can wrestle with it. So, Now the mindset has adjusted. So, you know, a couple of years ago, what we started to look at things as, hey, look, if we can do 10 deals a month and and set that as a target, and on average do at least 10000 a deal, it's $100,000, right? right?" You know, uh, how many houses do we have to turn in the course of a year and how quickly do we have to do that? How many employees do we need to be able to do that to make that same rev, right? So what you realize is building the systems and processes for a wholesale business is actually way easier. The other piece to that is there's nothing more critical, in my opinion, in this business than being direct to seller, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're in that wholesale seat, you now really control the deal. You know, uh, when you don't do your own direct to seller marketing, you're at the mercy of how that deal is brought to you, right? Mm -hmm. So when that wholesaler or that agent brings that deal to you, they're saying, hey, this would be a good rental property. Hey, there's seller financing available on this deal. Mm-hmm. Hey, you could do contract for deed on this. Part. So, like, you're stuck. How somebody brings you that deal yep. when you control your own marketing when you're when you're direct to seller in your business. Now, you it doesn't mean you can't be a landlord or you can't do seller financing or subject to, but you control, uh, you know, that deal process or that deal what those deals look like. And so that's my favorite part of kind of where my business is at right now.
0: And part of being an entrepreneur is aren't we all kind of control freaks anyways? Isn't that why we 100%. become entrepreneurs? Like, hundred percent, man. So we don't like, want anybody else to tell us
1: what to do. Right. So yeah. it's
0: honestly kind of weird. And you brought up a good point about rehabbers. Like, I'm not going to say unanimous, unanimously because I've, I've interviewed people like Don Costa and Luke Weber that are great rehabbers and they do all of their own marketing and they go direct to seller. But I do know a ton of rehabbers that they're only buying from wholesalers. Right. And it's funny because when you said that I started thinking about all of my rehab projects and almost (laughs) all of them come from wholesalers. Right. For whatever reason. And it you know what? It's funny because when we go out and do our own deals, we're buying deeper and we look at it and we say, dude, we could wholesale this and make just as much as if we were to rehab this. Like, why wouldn't we want to just go ahead and wholesale it and we wait, you know, now we've you know, 2019 was a year of change for us. You know, we were where you probably were a couple of years ago, where cash flow issues as a rehabber. That's another thing that wholesalers don't understand. Oh man, one thing when yeah. you, when you rehab one property it seems really easy. Times yep. that by ten or twenty, like you were saying, like twenty six oh, projects going on, dude. You can nuts, man. Oh yeah, you could have you know be cashing three hundred thousand dollars worth of checks in a month and be like.
1: Yeah, I'm 50 light. Dude, like, it's crazy, man. I, you know, I remember days, you know, in, in my former life, right, as a rehabber. Right. I remember I remember days, you know, I'd sell a couple properties in a month and bring in, you know, 100, 200, 300,000 bucks, right? And I'd turn around 3 weeks later and I'm I've got $10,000 still left over. That's yeah. it, right? Yeah. And so it's a it's a being a rehabber is a tough business. There's people that are really successful with it and and you can do that, right? But if you're going to do it, you got to be direct to seller, in my opinion. Oh, you have to. Um, you know, one thing that saved my ass for sure is when I started having those cash flow issues and I had to take a look at different projects that I had going on, you know, I had to make quick, swift decisions and say, you know, I sold a bunch of properties when we were in the middle of developing, right? Mm-hmm. Just to get debt off, you know yep. what I mean? And and had to make those uh, had to make those decisions. But all those things kind of led down the path of, getting to the next spot. You know, that's how we found, uh, hotels. Right. Right. Uh, I remember, you know, I did the HGTV stuff, right. So the crazy rehabs, you know, we've put showers, our bath freestanding tubs and showers and all this stuff. Right. And people love the pictures and all that. That's all cool. Right. Right. Uh, but the most important thing is revenue. Right. Right. And so what we started realizing, I'm like, man, we're doing all these crazy houses and I'm looking at comps one day, and I'm selling houses at I think at the time around four hundred thousand, right? Brand new, fully built house to the nines, crazy. Right. Then I'm checking comps, and I'm seeing houses go for three fifty, right? That right. hardly have any upgrades at all, right? And so I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, wait a second, if the, if somebody's buying that for three fifty, that means there's a market for just a regular house, right? So it means something to somebody to get a decent deal catch $50,000 in equity. Yep. And then they can make the upgrades they want or whatever the case might be. So it's like, Hey man, like I've got to make, I've got to make an adjustment on that. Right. And so that's how we shifted into that hotel model.
0: Well, it goes back to you and I were just talking about this before about here in 2020, you know, you can feel like, you know, somebody and you never actually spoken to them before, like you and I, you know, and, uh, in business, it's kind of funny, especially in real estate. Everybody loves the pretty pictures, right? Right. And so you post the pretty pictures of this beautiful rehab that you did, and everybody tells you how awesome you are. And at the end of the day, it's kind of like, am I doing it for likes and comments, or am I doing this for money? And right. I go to work to make money. I have to. You know, I got to pay for my babies, food, housing, like Eventually, we want to get to a point where we're creating generational wealth, right? Isn't that what we always say?
1: hundred and ten percent, right?
0: And so, I don't get any money off of Facebook likes or right. Instagram likes. You know, I okay, so I go post something and it gets five hundred likes. Oh man, this post is blowing up. I never deposited a check from getting five hundred likes from Facebook. And, yeah, it's interesting, man. Go ahead, go ahead, yeah. And then I was just gonna say, hotels. I don't ever post pictures of hotels. But in right. all reality, yeah. people should be so excited about that if they actually understand the, the, the dot process of, because we're, we did really good job of marketing, we actually right. got a property, we bought deep, and we sold it with very minimal effort on our parts. So that's called efficiency within business. And that should be something that's applauded, but we don't want to do it because it's like, well, it's kind of got still a, an ugly bathroom or the kitchen doesn't have the beautiful granite countertops it's got from Micah still, but that's okay because of the neighborhood it's in. And so it's funny, the world that we live in, and I think people get wrapped up in it, man. It's kind of oh, like yeah. Dorphins, you know? It's like they need that hit of like, I got to get, you know, the the public's got to tell me how awesome I am, and that's not well, really that's, – Well, that's, that's
1: part of the tough part, right? You know, I remember when I was doing all those crazy projects and, you know, getting high fives all around town, people pat me on the back all day every day, and – Oh man, your houses are gorgeous. Or, you know, I want a house from you and that kind of deal. And at the end of the day, right. What I had to figure out and understand for myself was, well, I still got to make money, like you said. Right. And so why am I doing 20 houses in a year? And I don't have the money sitting around that I feel like I should have sitting around. But then you look at your landlord buddies, the guys, you got buddies that they don't do anything but rentals. Right. Right. They don't do, they don't do any fix and flip. They don't do any of that stuff. And you look at them, and you're like, "Well, wait a second. So you got 50 doors. I sold all of mine, right? Right. You've got you're sitting on 50 doors, and then you got ten, fifteen thousand net cash, by, you know, flow coming in a month.
0: And they're the most uh, chill, that, relaxed, relaxed oh, guys of all time.
1: Yeah, Nobody's and pat them on the back, but man, they they're just living the life. That's the funny part, right? So you know, the builder, rehabber gets those pats on the back for doing right. the fancy stuff. You know, they're just doing a regular house, man, and fix it up, get a tenant in you know that kind of deal. Yep. And at the end of the day man, you know, this bu- this business is about making money, right? It's about what's the rate of return, you know, what what equity do you have? And you know, at some point we've we've got as as people in this business, we've got to focus on that part of it. Um, you know, I hired some consultants back in 2017 to come in and take a deep dive look at uh, you know, what my business was doing, right? right. And, uh, you know, the Harvard educated guy came in, him and his wife, and they had worked with a lot of big, bigger small businesses in town. And so they came in, and at the time I had a construction business, had my development business, and I had a wholesale business, okay? And so we're sitting down, first meeting, looking at financials, uh, looking at tax returns. And, uh, you know, they're asking me like, hey, look, you need to shut down your construction business. And I'm like, well, why, right? And I'm like, it makes me some extra money, every month right so they say hey look this is what i want you to do i want you to uh, for the next two weeks before we meet again i want you to track every day in 30 15 minute or 30 minute intervals and monitor let's look at your time and see where you're contributing your time so almost all of my time was going to other people's projects not even my own development project wow so you know my projects are slowing down right because i got somebody i'm doing a renovation for and they're driving by their house and they want to know why a subcontractor isn't there, right? Mm-hmm. So I've got to stop what I'm doing and run over there to deal with that. But here's the funny thing. One thing they said to me in that meeting is they said, hey, what does this LLC over here? Do? Right? And I said, well, hey, that's my wholesale business. I don't need any help from you with that. Right? And so the wife says to me, she says, well, wait a second. Why are you not doing more wholesaling? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she goes, hey, look, you got to shut your construction business down. And you need to go all in on wholesale. And if that's the return you're getting inside your wholesale business, yep. you need to blow that up. Right. And I looked at the numbers, man. And I was just like, you know what? It makes perfect, perfect sense to go as hard as possible with the wholesale business. And that, and like we've been talking about, that just siphons off and creates everything else for you. And that changed, that
0: changed your life right there. You know, that oh, advice, you know, so let's, let's talk about some of these deals that you're doing now uh you know break it down and and give us some
1: examples of what you're doing now yeah man so we're doing some pretty cool stuff you know wholesaling is one of my favorite models right now so you know i'll talk a little bit about that there's different confusion on what a hotel deal is i feel like sometimes so i'll just say what it is for me you know so hotel deal for me is a a property that we acquire direct to seller one that we actually close on and we list it on the mls by either doing a, a minimal amount of work to it right so you know, just getting it cleaned up or getting it cleaned out, you know, changing the locks, things of that nature, and or uh, coming in and doing a very light rehab, right? So uh, in my world, that means making it FHA compliant so that it can pass an FHA inspection. So, you know, we'll fix the chip paint. If there's any wood issues, we'll fix those, Uh, any, you know, uh, structural issues or termite damage, that kind of thing. So we've been doing a lot of that you know, for example, I've got a deal right now that we just got an offer on yesterday, right? So about 30 days or so ago, I bought that property for uh, $77,000, all right? Okay. And uh, it's a nice little rancher, cool little house. So I paid 77000 for it, used private money, okay? And so now we've uh, gone in, we've cleaned out the property, and we've uh, painted the property. That's all we've done, cleaned it right. out and painted it, all right? And so we've now got an offer on that property for 122000 Nice. We listed it for 130, and we ended up getting an offer after about 30 days for 122,000. So that's with we've probably got 1,500 bucks in the place, right? Right. And so you know that's my that's my version of rehabbing these days. There you, you go. know Hey, uh, you and
0: I are right on the same path, right there, man. That's the that's all we want to do the same thing. Those very minimal rehabs. I don't have a problem with doing flooring if it's needed. Sure. That's like a one, two-day max in and out. Uh, But really, we try to keep it just like you're doing. Minimal rehab paint, maybe flooring and a cleanup, and then put it on the market. On that deal there, you brought up that you want to rehab them to get them up to FHA compliance, right? Right. How are you dealing with the 90-day FHA guidelines when you are trying to sell it? I mean, you pretty much just can't accept the FHA
1: offers, right? yeah it's a great question man so here, here's what i do on my hotel deals so uh for the first 60 days and we haven't ran into this issue yet but right. for the first 60 days we put in the agent remarks on the listing uh that only are not uh, no fha financing uh can be accepted right right and so you'll still have fha buyers call like their agents call and inquire about it and we'll just explain to them that you know we've recently acquired the property we're looking to turn it around and, you know, we don't have the time right now to wait for that 90-day flip rule to expire. And the fallback on that is if we get close to that, then we'll start to entertain. You know, once we hit 60 days on a, a property, if we've got it listed, and again, this hasn't happened yet, so this is just plan and action. If we get to 60 days and a hotel hasn't sold, then we'll make the transition into taking that all agent remarks, being willing to accept, uh, you know, some FHA financing on a property. Uh, but what I've found is even if we're not accepting the FHA financing, we want to be FHA compliant because typically that's what buyers are coming in, uh, kind of looking for uh, right. on these hotel deals, you know, and we sell them as is also. So we don't, uh, if a buyer wants to get a home inspection, you know, we put on the contract, the inspection is for informational purposes only. And we don't, uh, we don't negotiate repairs or kind of anything of that sort. Right.
0: So I'll give you a little bit of what we do there. Um, My partner, Cassie, she's a licensed realtor. So we list everything in-house. Anytime we have a showing, Cassie immediately calls the realtor, kind of just briefly ask about the buyer, what kind of financing things along those lines. We don't put it in the remarks because we don't want to scare them away. And what they'll do is, is if they say, okay, this is an FHA buyer, at that point in time, we don't want to waste their time. So we'll tell them right. up front, like, hey, um, you know, we're still 45 days away from before we could accept an FHA offer. But if your buyer is willing to meet with our loan officer, we do have some other loans that they offer that could work for the FHA buyer. So if it's a, the perfect house for them and what our loan officer does, remember, we're at the peak of our market, right? Like I think everybody yep. kind of understands. So I kind of, I wasn't in real estate back in 2005, six and seven, but from what I hear, it was pretty damn crazy when it came to winning, <laughs> right? Right. Oh yeah. And we're starting to see some of those crazy loans come back.
1: Absolutely. So
0: our loan officers have these, what they refer to as creative loans that they can offer to people. So we've actually converted FHA buyers to a conventional loan with a very low down payment and it worked out perfect. So I like that. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty sweet. So that's just us making a connection with our mortgage loan officer. And then obviously because we are the realtor ourselves, or I shouldn't say that Cassie is the realtor. Sure. um, We have that direct communication. We're in control of it. And it's just allowed us to sell deals to, I mean, it's minimizing holding costs. You know, I, I think we probably still would have gotten an offer on the house, but those sure. were the people that wanted it that day. So even if it saved us a week or two weeks, hey, that adds up in, over the course of
1: time. Yeah, no, I agree, man. So, and, and I like that a lot. One thing that we do kind of similar to that, so the, the offer that I got yesterday, so we're doing this on that particular offer. Mm-hmm. So we've gotten them to switch to conventional financing. Yep. The issue for them is that the down payment is more than it is with FHA, right? Yep. So what we've done is we've increased the purchase price on the property and then we're going to give them, uh, cash them back right. some money off the like of a seller purchase concession. Price. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, that helps them with that increase in, in cost. When you got somebody that w- really wants that particular property. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And the only concern there for anybody that's, you know, maybe they're in a situation, the only concern there would be if they're, you know, it doesn't hit appraisal that would be the Correct. only concern i would have with you but if you know you're listing it well below cuz most of the time when you're wholesaling you're not selling it for full market value you're just Yeah, i think a that's
1: bit. a i think that's a really good point to make too so like the property that i'm talking about the the arv on that property is around 160. Yeah.
0: Right. You're going to so be fine. We listed fine. it at 1
1: we listed it at 130. You know, it's a livable property just needs right. some, you know, tlc, right? Right. Um, you know, so we were able to bump that purchase price up a little bit to accommodate and still be well below, you know, what the market rate for the property is.
0: Yeah, so, all right, so what are some other examples of deals that you're doing right now?
1: Yeah, so some other deals that we're doing are more traditional, you know, wholesale deals. You know, we're trying to really ramp that up and kind of do that with more velocity. Um, and we're, we're doing that based on, uh, I'm real big on text message marketing right now. Okay, uh, what service really, do you use? So I'm using Lead Sherpa right now. Okay, uh, I've been using that I think since uh, February of 2019. Uh, really great service. There's some really good ones out there. Uh, we've worked with Smarter Contact before. Mm-hmm. You know, Smarter Contact is a more cost-efficient, uh, pr- you know, uh, product that you can kind of go with. Uh, we're doing uh, RVMS and we're using REI Rail to do that. Okay, I really like RVMS and uh, the process that we t- tend to use is. We kind of use a call tree so we have people call in and kind of get filtered down uh, inside a call rail right mm-hmm. so when somebody calls back off that rvm you know they're they're greeted with a message where they can make a selection to talk to somebody on our team live you know or they can press two to be uh, removed off of our list right gotcha. and so we're pulling in some really good traction on wholesale deals with that my first uh first look at any property is to try to take it as a as a Okay. and i'll explain I'll explain why I like to do that. The reason I like to do hotel deals is uh, for my private lender relationships. Mm-hmm. You know it really gives me a good opportunity to keep those strong you know we We raised a lot of private capital over the last ten years, but a lot of private capital relationships. Mm-hmm. so as we brought that development business down to focus more on wholesaling, we still had those relationships and people who wanted to deploy capital so we we wanted to find a place for that right yep. Uh, So now we do some, uh, we partner with some of our lenders to do some lending, uh, but we use a lot of that ourselves in effort to purchase these hotel properties with 100% financing. The intent behind that is so that when the market continues to adjust and the buyer opportunities become a lot stronger for people like me, right, Mm -hmm. uh, that we'll be in a strong position with a war chest of private capital to pick up as much property as we want and transition stronger into that. Uh, generational wealth uh model
0: yeah man i mean i I think right now, if you talk to anybody that went through two thousand eight uh they feel like we're gonna have some kind of a correction here coming pretty soon. I had an episode with Gary Boomershine uh nice. recently and and he feels like we're we're right there i, I couldn't agree more, and from everybody that went through two thousand eight, the advice that they give, and so i'll 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 say it for, for probably the hundredth time on here um is get ready to be flush with cash so you can buy as we're we're going down and we hit the bottom. Because man, we've seen people become, I mean, they've achieved generational wealth from buying in 2008 and 2009 and just riding the appreciation wave up and then offloading and then that's how these people are moving into commercial and multifamily from 1031 exchanging into these larger assets. It's a beautiful strategy. It's a beautiful time to be in real estate right now. You know, I think some people are fearful uh, of what's gonna happen, but this is a great opportunity. So uh, touche to you for for the connections and with your private money and utilizing it right now. You know, you found a way to move away from the thing that was detrimental, the rehabs and the developments, move into the hotel and the wholesaling and just keep those relationships fresh. Even if it, I mean, right now for you, it's so important to keep those relationships intact just for what's going to happen here in the next couple of years, even if it's exactly. three or four years away from now, you exactly. know, it's yeah. important to keep those.
1: Yeah. We want to keep those strong. You know, the whole goal is uh, to keep runway as short as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I thought about something a couple of years ago that really kind of kicked this off when we were having those cash flow issues and what that was, was uh, the thought of you know, what's your runway in this business? And what I mean by that is, you know, if if you're in 20 construction projects or new development projects, rehabs, whatever the case might be, what is your runway to, to offload that debt if the market just completely bottoms? Right. And what, what I had to determine and what I had to get figured out was my runway is like 12 months, mm-hmm. 18 months. You know, we have been land baking different properties and lots to hold to renovate later. And the reality is if the market goes kaput today, you don't got 18 months to get rid of your debt. It's just, you just don't, right? And so we've we've been able to successfully transition into, now that runaway looks more like 90 days, right? And so the benefit there is, is you keep those relationships strong, market gets too rough, you've got the ability to get out of that debt, Um, keep everybody happy and and be in a good position. So I just caution people right now, we're in a time where, you know, it's not like it was five years ago where you could just hit it as hard as possible, stack up a bunch of properties, get to them when you could get to them. Now's the time to really be tight and really be efficient with what you're, what you're doing. But most importantly, above anything, watching that runway and, and being, being conscientious of what that actually looks like.
0: Yeah. And, you know, going back to you talking about your marketing and going direct to seller, you know, you're hitting some of the most cost efficient forms of marketing with the SMS and the RDMs. Um, are you doing anything else like direct mail or cold calling or is it mainly those two strategies?
1: So we definitely cold call, we cold call heavy. Uh, we started cold calling, uh, I want to say about four years ago and, uh, you know, this is before it kind of become a, became a crazy thing in the business, right? right? And uh, I love cold calling. The foundation of my business is cold calling. That's our our number one marketing channel. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hear a lot of people complaining that they're not getting contacts right now, and yada yada yada. Right. Here's the deal, right? Just it's more people are calling, yep. so there's there's the market has become more saturated. So to to surpass that. You got to call more than everybody else. Yep. So you know, if you were buying two thousand records a month to cold call, now you got to buy four. Now you got to buy six. You know, uh, if you were making uh, two hundred calls an hour with you or your VA on the on triple dollar or call tools, Mojo, now you got to transition into maybe you got to put two or three other people on the phone. Right. You know, so that you can you can make more calls. Cold calling is still a really good marketing channel. We got out of direct mail a while back. Uh, we were doing a lot of direct mail at, before we started cold calling. Mm-hmm. We got We got away from that. And just really as a cost perspective, yeah. um, you know, if you take the same 40 cents, it t- takes you to mail one postcard. You know, you can probably get like 20, uh, you know, text messages out of that cost right. or 20, 20, RVM drops. So that was just a cost perspective. I do think mail is still good. You know, I've seen yeah. people say that mail isn't good right now. Direct mail is still good. You got to be able to be consistent. And that's with any marketing channel at the end of the day, but you got to be able to be consistent and you got to be able to get the marketing out,
0: Yeah, you know? So are you familiar with Brent Daniels? I am, yeah. Okay, so Mr. TTP, he, he came on to uh, uh, Next Level Flipping, Rising Stars Group, our online mastermind. And uh, I want to share a, a couple of nuggets that he gave us um, in the group. Uh, so if you made it this far in the episode, uh, congrats, you're going to get to see a behind the scenes, uh, some some nuggets from Mr. TTP, um, talking about cold calling. I found this very interesting because Brent, for you that don't know, TTP stands for talk to people and his whole platform is basically on cold calling, but also just getting out there and talking to people. And one of the things he said when he was talking about cold calling was, In 2020, door knocking is going to become more important than it ever has in the past.
1: Because of
0: the amount of people that are cold calling.
1: I agree with that.
0: I mean, when he said that, that that was eye opening. You know, this is a guy that's literally built his whole platform on cold calling. And he's saying, hey, buckle down. 2020 door knocking, getting out there in front of their faces is going to be very important. And it's like you said, man, it's just because it's saturated. Um, everybody's having to buy more data. That's only going to become worse, you know, with right. SMS and RVM. Now it's like, dude, we use data in every possible way we can. We're going to voicemail you. We're going to call you. <laughs> right. We're going to text you. Yep. Like, I mean, it, it's, an, it's insane. We're even now doing, uh, I've had several guests on here say they're doing email marketing
1: right i've heard people talking about that yeah Yeah. you know i haven't done it yet but i know people are doing it
0: i literally i think it was scott bowers it was a couple episodes ago and i was like is it working and he's like yeah and i'm like oh my god i gotta check that out right Right. yeah exactly yeah we're
1: we're in this interesting space where the the data is more critical than anything else yep you got to get good at data you got to be able to analyze your data and if you're not good at that you got to get somebody on your team that is or partner up with somebody that is good at it but they, data is the common denominator in having a successful wholesale business right now. Absolutely,
0: and so I, I want to ask you a question about your acquisitions. But one last little nugget from from Brent Daniels. Yeah. Um, he ended the, the the our little interview. You know, it's a live Q and A session, so everybody had a chance to ask Brent whatever they wanted. And my final question to him was: Is hey, what's your what's your best advice that you would give to? People that are newer in this industry are are doing 25 or less deals a year. And he said, first and foremost, make sure that you keep as much money for yourself and for your family as possible. And that's how he ended the interview. Take that for what you want. Uh, Brent is a very successful man in this industry. Um, So just take that for what you will. Uh, Absolutely, man. Yeah. So I, I found that to be very enlightening to hear from someone in in his position um and and i just wanted to share that with you guys because you brought up cold calling and reminded me of it um as far as acquisitions goes for you you're yep. you're sending texts you're sending rvms you're you're obviously at that point in time getting in contact either one with through to that through text or on the phone are you scheduling appointments
1: or are you trying to uh contract it right there on the phone great question right so we try to contract over the phone uh, that's been our model for a couple of years now uh, we make our offer on our first initial contact with a the seller there you go and uh, you know what here's what I personally believe in we've got it written on a whiteboard in the office you know speed is life Yep. Uh, we're all calling the same lists you know we're all trying to talk to the same sellers so it becomes about volume and it becomes about speed and so at the end of the day I want to be able to make an offer before anybody else Yep, And the whole goal of cold calling, mail, text messages, voicemail drops is to get in contact with the seller, right? Yep. And so we found uh, more success making that offer uh, by phone for sure. And here's the thing about that.
0: I, I personally like making offers on the phone. I also think it's important to analyze the seller and kind of get a read from them. Because sometimes, man, when you're talking to like, an 85 year old woman, she might not want to accept an offer over the phone. You know, she might be like, Hey, come yeah. home, sit down. I want to see you and things along those lines. But I'm going to share a story because you're talking about specific deals you've done. I'm going to yeah, share yeah, one yeah. that happened last night, man. Uh, do you ever get that, that itch? Like, you know what? Not enough happened today. I'm going to send out like, a hundred text messages myself. Do you ever do oh, that? Oh yeah, I almost had
1: that same bitch this morning. Yeah. So,
0: so that was me last night, man. I mean, I'm i this is like five thirty. I I I usually leave the office somewhere between six to seven. Okay, this is five thirty, and I'm pretty much done. And I'm like, ah, but we didn't we didn't get any appointments today. We didn't right. leave. It was kind of like the the morale was down. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to, I refreshed an old data list. I didn't want to take it from the, from the people. Right. So I went and refreshed old data and I sent out 260 texts. Now, most of them got ignored because it was really old data, but I got one that said, can you call me now? So this immediately led me to believe this person is highly motivated. Right. And they want to move fast. Call me now. So we get on the phone. We have a five-minute conversation. She's like, vacant house. I need to sell. Got to pay my property taxes. So property taxes in in Texas are due in January 31st. So she's like, "Okay, I I, got to pay my property taxes. I need to sell this so I can pay those. And she's like, and I want to move back to Vietnam. So these are, she told us everything. So I was leaving, right? Like I was going home. I was going to go home, see my babies, eat dinner. (laughs) Yeah. But... She's like, house is vacant. There's a lot box on it. Here's the lot box code. I need to sell. So I went home and I kissed my babies goodnight. And I said, Dad has got to go buy a house. I'm sorry, but I got to go. Like the seller wants it now. We went out there. I drove an hour and 10 minutes to the house. I walked it. She had told us on a separate phone call when we were calling her on the way. uh, She said, Hey, don't worry call me anytime. time. I only sleep three hours a night. So <laughs> at 9 p.m. when I'm done walking the property, I'm calling her to make the offer on the phone. 100%, yep. And we're negotiating. As I'm driving my hour and 10 minutes back home, I'm negotiating with her on the phone. We're still about $25,000 off, uh, but I firmly believe we're gonna get the deal. And I don't know if we would've gotten the deal if we hadn't moved this quickly. That's what she literally said that she said, Hey, I really like y'all. Like y'all move fast, like me. You yep. know, she and she appreciated that. That meant something to her. Um, because to start off, we were she wanted 180 and we're offering 125.
1: But so, here's what I love about what you're saying, right? Speed is life. Yeah. Right? You know, you, you had a seller that that jumped on the line or said, Hey, call me right now recognize that it was an opportunity that you had to go chase down and and that's also what i was talking about and i i like that you said that that piece about you know going home and kissing your babies and and having to go look at a house and drive an hour and 10 minutes it's it's, it's not that we want to do that right no. <laughs> we'd much rather stay at home spend time with our family relax but and that's what i mean when i say wholesaling is a grinded out business mm-hmm. being direct seller is a grinded out business. So you knew, hey, look, I got to go grind this thing out, Yep. right? And the, the important piece in that that I think some people miss is when, you, when you're when you having those conversational cues and or clues and a seller is, is moving aggressively, you have to match their intensity in that conversation. And you got to get that offer out quickly because if you didn't get an offer to that seller, if it was, oh, well, I got to go and I got to look at the repairs or oh, I got to go look at some comms, I'll call you tomorrow morning. Right, She could have been calling somebody else, right? And uh, that could potentially be an opportunity that you didn't have to build more rapport and kind of extend that negotiation conversation.
0: She said it to us four or five times. I get calls all the time. She owns it free and clear. So she's getting hammered. A free and clear house in a great neighborhood in Dallas, she is getting hammered with calls, texts, voicemails, everything. She's wanting to work with us. She said, I don't know why, but I, I got to sell this house to y'all. We got, we got to find the middle ground here. There you go. And every time she says that, she comes down 10K. So I just need her to say it like three more times and we're going to be where we <laughs> yeah, need get, to be. Get, get, to that, get to that
1: 120. Right, yeah, right, man, you've so. got to, you know, negotiation. And, and I like to make sure that people understand that negotiations aren't quick things all the time. No. You know, so, sometimes you got to massage that out. Uh, with the seller and spend some time getting them to the spot that you want them to be at. You know, you don't just put something under contract to have it under contract with the knowing that you can't sell it just to try to renegotiate it later. You know, you got to get good at negotiating and and really driving your point home with the seller. And once you find that pain point, you'll get to it eventually. You just got to spend some time on it, you know, and and the rapport is critical to keep that connection alive until you get to the, to that that common number that you guys need to be at for
0: sure so i want to transition this to uh you and i are both speaking at our our good buddy antoine yeah i'm super excited
1: about it man absolutely
0: so that's in april uh go on facebook just type in drip 2020 conference you'll find it
1: it's on Um, everywhere
0: yeah it's everywhere dude that guy's a great marketer himself absolutely Um, do you know what you're speaking about
1: so I haven't figured that out yet, but probably wholesaling and, and wholesaling. I'm sure I got to put something together and, uh, and get that ready. <laughs> you know, I'm fired up, man. We gotta we gotta make sure we get the people the information they need. Oh, for to sure, man. I'm successful. super
0: excited about it. Antoine has given uh, us the ability. We're gonna do something pretty cool. Um, yeah, uh, myself, Cassie, and Jamie Woolley, our good friend and partner at Next Level Flipping, uh, we're gonna do a live Q and A session. Oh, sweet! So the three of us are gonna be up there. We're literally going to open it up where, dude, you can ask us anything you want. I love it. One of us will will know the answer, or if we don't know the answer, we do know the right person to give you the answer. Yep. Um, I think it's going to be a great conference. He's got a, just an awesome lineup of speakers. Dude, he's, got a, he's got an all-star lineup in there, man. Oh, for sure, man. And uh, I don't know how big it's going to get. I think I saw a post earlier this week. He's, he's announcing like <laughs> no. four or five more people. Yeah, uh, he said he
1: might add a day.
0: There you go. He's gonna have to, man. He's got yeah. some people. Uh, but I, but I actually got to meet Antoine at wholescaling here in Houston, and uh, man, it just what an amazing guy. Him and his wife, and uh, yeah, they're the best man. That. So uh, they, the tickets are super affordable. I think it's gonna be highly informative. So if you enjoyed what you saw today between me and Chris, I think this is pretty much how it's gonna go down. We're gonna be
1: accessible. All the speakers. I mean, are you gonna be there for all the days? i'm all I'm there the whole time man I, I I like how you said that man uh it's It's good for people to know we're accessible, yeah, you know uh you know i I know you get d m s all the time, I get' them all the time you know you can't you can't get to everyone right, right. um uh, but going to these events is so important, right right you know for the past ten years i've I've invested in my education, I've made sure that I've gone to masterminds, I've made sure that I've went to events. That's how I've built a lot of relationships that I have in the industry. I've done a lot of business with people that I've met at these events. You got to come out, you got to go to these things because if you don't, people don't know who you are, right? Well, I have um, said it, man. Majority of my private money
0: has come from masterminds and events like this. Mine, mine
1: too. Mine too. 100%, 100%. So
0: for the people all my that private were money that right wondering now. like, "Hey Chris, how did you raise all that private capital?" Well, there you go. Going, to events. Nugget. <laughs> Going, Going to, to events. Going to events like man. this, man, and get out there uh the, the and the gold is not sometimes with the event and the speakers, it's right? The the dinners and the lunches and the breaks and the people that you're with and how you carry yourself and man, it's it's just they're so powerful, you know. And, yeah, if you can
1: if you can pay a couple of hundred bucks, and I, I think Antoine's even got uh, you know he'll help you out as far as payment plan, right? Yeah. Not yeah. a lot of people will do that, you know. You're you're paying for the opportunity to just one, make a connection, right? Create a new relationship. You might find your business partner there. You might find your lender there. You might find a mentor there. Uh, but, but also at the same time, you might just get that aha light bulb moment that completely changes the trajectory of your entire business. Yeah. You know, just within a couple of days, but you got to invest in yourself and, uh, and show up for those kind of things.
0: Absolutely. And just like I said, be cognizant of how you carry yourself when you go up to talk to people, make it a reciprocal conversation. Don't go up to Chris and be like, Hey, Chris, I got this question. I need you to help me.
1: Right, um, where, are, right.
0: where are you helping Chris out too, man? I mean, uh, that's, that's very important in, in how you carry yourself and, and how you build relationships. It's just like any other relationship in your life. So man, thank you so much for taking the time today coming on. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, any final thoughts before we sign off here?
1: No, nah, man, it's a pleasure, man. I appreciate you having me on. Like I said, I've been following you for a while. I know we've been friends on Facebook, so I'm glad we had a chance to to talk today. Um, I see you impacting people's lives, man, and doing awesome, awesome stuff. Um guys, if you want to catch up with me, you can follow me on Instagram uh, at the Chris Jefferson. Again, the Chris Jefferson, you can follow me on Instagram. And I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. So uh now it's
0: time that I do my signature sign-off. I have multiple people messaging me about this now. So I guess I kind of created a thing. So uh, if you're listening on iTunes, leave me a five-star rating. If you don't want to leave me a five-star rating, take your four or below star rating and give it to someone else. I only accept five-star ratings. If you're listening on YouTube, give me a thumbs up. Hit the subscribe and the notifications so you know uh, when we have new videos come out. That's our show for this week, guys. We'll see you all next week.